All right, good morning, folks. What's cracking? It is Tuesday, May 2nd, 2023. Welcome to episode number 357 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief. And I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Ozier. And over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Marcy Friedman, not only IT, Men Nasheed, Peter Lee, Matthew Necci, and all of the Simply Cyber community are going to be tearing up the top cyber news of the week, of the day. And I will be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner or if you're looking to break into the industry. There's going to be massive value for here. I do not see these stories beforehand. This is my real-time, in-the-moment reaction, and uh, I try to provide value in each of my responses. So settle in. It's going to be a good time. Always say hi to people in chat. Uh, A couple hundred of you show up every day live with us, and it's just fantastic to share with you. Eric Taylor dropping 50 subs. Boo! All right, there we go. Giddy up on that. So enjoy your squad membership. Thank you so much, Eric Taylor and the gang over at Barricade Cyber Solutions. If you are a recipient of said uh, squad membership, first of all, you have Eric Taylor and the entire crew at Barricade Cyber to thank. And also take advantage of all the new sweet squad emotes you got um, down there. Obviously, this is an Oprah moment. Guys, I love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, uh, Barricade and squad memberships. For Actually, you know what? Because of it, <laughs> Eric Taylor's got an official sounder as well as an official emote. Guys, thank you so very much. Before we dig into the show, uh, I'd love to see all these uh, squad emotes fly around, but also want to say shout out and thanks to the stream sponsors, starting with none other than Barricade Cyber Solutions, who, in addition to giving squad memberships to all the folks, uh, is a long-term sponsor uh, of this of the stream here <clears throat> barricade cyber solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated hard-working business owners into turmoil but barricade cyber solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents check them out at barricadecyber.com links in the description below Guys, what, what does all this mean when I say all this noise? If you get hit with a cyber attack, especially ransomware, you are going to be like you just got into a war. Like, you're going to be shell-shocked. You're not going to know which way to go. You're not going to know which system to restore first. Do you, do you talk to the threat actors? Do you talk to the lawyers? Do you pay the ransom? Do you recover email? Do you get the salespeople? Do you try to figure out how initial infection happened? Do you try to patch things? What do you do? And you end up doing nothing because you're 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 paralyzed. Barricade Cyber does it every single day. They are uh, basically acclimated to it. So keep them in your Rolodex. Um, I I would strongly advise talking to them before you get hit with a cyber attack. But we know how businesses operate. Ah, oh, Infosec's a cost center until you get hit in the mouth, and then it's like. Infosec, tell me how much money it's going to cost to make the pain stop. So go to barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. Thank you so much, Eric. Also want to say shout out and thanks to Panopsi. Panopsi Security does a million great things, but Brandon Poole and the team over there um, can execute quantified risk assessments in evidence, <coughs> excuse me, evidence-based data-driven assessment of your organization. Bespoke assessment. It's for your organization. They take into account your people, your process, your technology stack. 
they look at what your threat model is and then quantifiably define what your risk posture is. If you've ever heard someone say, "Woo, George Strasberger with the super chat. Is it good? It's going to be one of these days. All right, Tuesday, I see you. Um, A quantified risk assessment can help you understand where you can invest your dollars for the most impact. This is an easy thing to sell to the business. Guys, hey, I'm going to be asking for budget, but I'm thinking let's be tactical about how we invest. Let's understand long-term strategically also how we invest. Let's get all of it in one swift stroke. So it's basic, you know what a quantified risk assessment is? It's like mapping out what you're going to pack, what you're going to visit, where you're going to stay, who you're going to see on a trip before you leave, instead of just going YOLO and hopping on the first, you know, the next flight out of town, wherever it's going. Okay. Also shout out and thanks to XM Cyber. More about them in the mid-roll on exposure management. Guys, if you're live in chat, first of all, Way to go, because you're absolutely getting squad memberships for being here this morning. Thank you very much. George Strasberger, one month away from that beautiful blue squad membership. I love it. I love it. I love it. Thanks so much, George, for the continued support all year long. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So if you're here live, hashtag Team Live. Um, uh, Genuinely appreciate 130 of you today. We'll see if we can get up. I'm going to set a goal today, see if we can get to 300. Um, Go ahead and share it in your socials if you uh, can today uh, that we are live right now. We got to 270, 280 um, yesterday. We've been doing that pretty consistently. So I think we could could flex a little bit and try to hit 300 today. If you're watching on replay, hashtag team replay. I do go through all the replay comments. I heart a lot of them. I comment back if I can. Just know if I'm not commenting, um, I'm absolutely seeing all your comments. I love it. it. It's, it's, I don't know how to explain it. It's like a really, um, warm asynchronous, like hangout. I, I don't know how to explain it, but I do love the team replay comments. Uh, so thanks so much team replay. If your team hybrid, you got here late or you got here on time and you had to step away and now you're catching up, whatever it is, let us know in chat. If you are team hybrid, we're happy to have you. And then obviously my favorite last but not least hashtag passive observer, If you, I'm talking to you right now, if you're shy, if you're introverted, if you're seeing all this chat fly by, Morehouse Hacks, Tom Bishop, Jenny Housley all up in the chat, and you're like, oh, I'm just going to be quiet and sit in the dark because it's easy. I don't want to engage. I'm telling you, you're doing yourself a disservice. Networking is so, so valuable in our industry, especially for getting um, job opportunities, right? The best way to do networking is to be social. And I know it can be hard for some of you. So just say hashtag passive observer to get yourself started. Take that first step. Okay. Like if you're going to jump into a double Dutch rope, you know, you're like, oh my God, when do I jump in? I'm kind of nervous. Dude, hashtag passive observer, just jump in. Right. And then you'll start bouncing up and down and it's like, okay, this isn't so bad. And uh, you know what? If you click up the, the jump ropes and it stops, get out. Get them going again and jump back in. It's no big deal. It is not a big deal. Conquer imposter syndrome. Conquer that fear and start networking today. Believe me, you're going to be happy that you did. All right, now it's time for the news. Sit back, relax, and let's get into the hot news. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Tuesday, May 2nd, 2023. The academic threat of juice jacking. Last month, the U.S. FBI and Federal Communications Commission issued new warnings about so-called juice jacking attacks. These warned that public chargers could be used by malicious actors. 
Despite these warnings, Ars Technica's Dan Gooden points out the complete lack of any documented juice-jacking cases in the wild over the past seven years. Even if attempted, modern versions of both iOS and Android require clicking through clear warnings when starting a file transfer over a wired connection. While devices like GrayKey do allow for extracting data from a fully locked modern phone, these can take multiple hours or even a few days to crack into devices at a cost of well into five figures. Some devices can inject specific keyword commands onto mobile devices, but require the phone to power the device and only works over USB and requires specific tailoring for targeted devices. Security experts largely agree these types of attack could find a use against highly targeted individuals, but remain largely impractical for a more generalized target audience. Good. I'm glad that they did this article. We've talked about juice jacking on the stream in the past a little bit. Um, I always advise, you know, be, be mindful of where you're plugging in your device, right? If you can use a USB prophylactic um, where basically the data pin has been removed, so you're only getting the charge. Um, you could you could easily envision some attacks in um, like in Ubers and stuff like that. Um, Hack Five sells this OMG cable that is basically like an entire pen test kit inside of a charger. So these tools for you know for 180 bucks you're off and running. But I do appreciate this because they're saying based on evidence this is a kind of a fear, uncertainty, and doubt type attack because. If you were going to juice jack somebody, they would have to enter multiple, um, like click through multiple things, right? Like, you know, this right here, if you've ever seen this, trust this computer, don't trust it, right? Now, it looks like in the in the graphic here that the phone is actually charging. It's got the little lightning bolt on the battery. So you might be able to get a charge without clicking through here. Um, but I mean, dudes, it's... It, I don't know, man. Social engineer here on. I don't know if this is Android or Apple that makes you type in a passcode, but you could you could easily envision like you know, oh hey, like you just got to hit trust for the charge to work. You know, a quick little social engineering attack. But but I don't think um, personally I haven't heard or seen any juice jacking instances. But you got to remember, dude. If if you're doing a juice jacking, that is a physical security attack, right? No one's gonna be like you know uh oh like look what we did like it's not big splashy right if it results in a long-term compromise and this is like initial infection where you dump you know data or or maybe in some weird instance like the phone is on a vpn back to the home uh mothership and then you uh, jump through that and compromise that like there is a scenario that's realistic that could be that but then you're talking about the company like you know americold getting ransomware you're not going to trace it back to the initial infection of a juice jacking of some executive's phone so i i would say you're not like in my opinion you're not going to hear a lot of reported attacks that involve juice jacking because i just don't see how anyone would really be able to um, trace it back to that. Now, having said that, I also don't see it as a major attack vector. To me, exactly what they said in the story, this is a precision strike um, with a target, you know, a specific target. I'm targeting BSEC. I'm going to get BSEC to plug this in. I'm targeting executive, you know, Sally, like whatever. You're not just randomly, like, you know, like YOLO, like put it in an airport and see who plugs in. If you do that, by the way, then you're basically, in my opinion, like a 19, like mid 90s, late 90s kind of hacker 
where you, you're really just curious and you just want to see who you get. You don't really care about the the target and the actions on objective. You're just really like just curious, right? Who, who Who's going to plug into this? What data can I get? So anyways, yep. So this is the alert about juice jacking. The final thing I'll say about this, when I'm doing threat modeling, right? If I'm doing risk assessment for my organization, if I'm doing threat modeling, like juice jacking does not come into my radar. All I do, and, and I would advise this for you too. And, and if you disagree with me, holler at me in chat. That's fine. I'm, I'm open to, uh, you know, uh, honest, genuine discourse. The only time juice jacking ever comes up is when I'm doing end user training, end user awareness, and I just make them aware that this is something they should be mindful of. Half of it's so they don't get juice jacked, and then half of it is, is half of it is for them to bake into their mind that it's not just about your cybersecurity presence when you're at work at your desk with your work computer, but it is a it is a you know personal cyber hygiene thing that you have to be mindful of. Attackers don't care if you're at work or at home. They don't care if it's their personal email or your work email. They just want to get access and get creds and get all the things. So it, it helps kind of personalize a little bit of cybersecurity and start to penetrate that veil that you don't just turn off cyber hygiene at 5 p.m. when the whistle blows. All right, holla. Breach lawsuits on the rise. According to a new report from the law firm Baker Hostatler, more individuals impacted by data breaches are filing lawsuits against organizations, up from lawsuits filed in 1% of incidents in 2018 to 8.5% in 2022. Some of these lawsuits came from relatively small breaches, with about 10% filed impacting less than 1,000 people. Overall, the firm found companies paying more on average in ransomware attacks as well, up 17% on the year to roughly $600,000. The cost of investigating incidents also climbed, with the average cost of investigating the 20 largest network attacks up 25% on the year in 2022 to $550,000. All right, hold on. This is a really good, um, this is really good uh, article. Like a lot of times, like I just in San Diego gave a talk on ransomware and business email compromise and having statistics, having percentages, having dollar figures on what these things look like is incredibly uh, impactful when you're trying to connect to a non-technical audience about, you know, what is really going on here? Like, oh, ransomware, ransomware, ransomware. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like it, they almost become like tone deaf to it. But then when you say on average, you will spend $560,000 on the ransom only. On average, you will lose $127,000 per business email compromise attack. That's when people perk up and they're like, what? Or I have people come up to me after the talk and they're like, hey, I didn't want to say anything, but we literally got hit with business email compromise last week. I didn't know what it was called. We got hit for $89,000. Like, I wish I had attended this talk a week before. So... Numbers matter. So this is a great article. I personally will be bookmarking this one and incorporating some of this data because it's it's fresh data, right? Mm. Give it a little sniff. It smells certified fresh. Here's the deal that's a little scary about this story, though. Companies are being hit with lawsuits when they have a data breach, okay? So we put our data, like, okay, let's say we're the Simply Cyber community and we're collecting email addresses for Simply CyberCon. Ooh, nice cross promotion there, Jerry, no problem. Okay. And we Google suffers a data breach and uh, your email addresses get compromised in that data breach. We sue Google for the data breach. This is uh, dangerous. 
This is dangerous. And I can understand why I think a lot of these lawsuits are frivolous, frankly, because, you know, there's like a million pages of EULA, a million pages of contract language, which I'm sure uh, removes liability of these third party vendors for hosting. They use best, you know, not best practice, but like due care and reasonable security and all these things that will make the lawsuits not have any stickiness. So it's a little bit more of you know, PR and, and chess beating that it is actually companies going to be suffering lawsuits. However, I say that the one instance that I will point out that this could be a problem, and they call it out in the story here, is financial services companies, right? So if your whole business is like holding money and you get breached and people lose money, that's a little different. The impact is more direct, right? If you if I lose your email address, I can make the argument that like, oh, I had reasonable controls. Oh, your email address is already involved in several data breaches, yada, yada, yada. Like you can play this out and have a little bit stronger of a defense. If you give me your money and you've entrusted me with your money and someone steals your money, it'd be the same as like a bank robber robbing, you know, a private bank or something like that. There's a certain level of... um expectation on securing those assets. That's the entire reason that you're using the platform, right? I mean, oh, like we, we give better APR rates. Yeah, there's that. But like if if a company gave 20% APR and their security was dog crap, you certainly wouldn't put it, your money in there, right? So I think any lawsuits against financial institutions that have negligent levels of security control uh, do have a possibility of successfully being sued in a lawsuit. I just, <clears throat> I, I do appreciate the consumer here wanting, or the business consumers wanting to have some um, retribution and some kind of stick um, to, to be made whole. But at the same time, guys, like I've said this a million times, you can never eliminate cyber risk. You can only reduce it to a certain level. There's always going to be residual risk, right? That's what this little thing, this little line is right here. <laughs> you can always have residual risk, no matter what. You cannot eliminate all risk. So if some threat actors, highly motivated, highly funded, highly sophisticated, and they're able to get into that little percentage and knock you out, well, then what was the financial institution supposed to do? They literally did everything that they were supposed to do, all the right things, right? So... It's not, it's not, you know, um, cut and dry. I will also just say if a lawsuit does get through successfully and does sue the crap out of some company, uh, it's going to set a, a dangerous precedent. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But a good article with some good stats. I do love that. Yeah, I mean, if you're being lied to, that's definitely wrong. If you're filling out like a... a um, if you're filling out a uh, like security questionnaire for an insurance policy and you're lying, that's a problem, right? Yeah, like if you're lying, <laughs> I'm assuming honesty here, right? If you're lying, that's a whole different kettle of fish. ...ban lifted in Brazil. Last week, a Brazilian court banned the messaging app Telegram in the country for non-compliance in sharing information regarding extremist groups. However, Judge Flavio Lucas of the Federal Region Court of the Second Region overturned that ban over the weekend, saying it is not reasonable to impact the freedom of communication for its numerous users. The judge did uphold a fine against Telegram for non-compliance. The initial ban came after Telegram failed to comply with an order to hand over data on neo-Nazi groups accused of inciting school violence. Telegram maintains its encryption scheme means it keeps no centralized data on any users. Gener yeah, so this is a 
this is a microcosm of a bigger issue that we've talked about on the channel before. These social, <clears throat> excuse me, these messaging apps, the ability for one individual or group of individuals to communicate with one individual or other group of individuals, and then having complete government, you know, oversight, involvement, and, you know, the, the, the use cases that are made for the invasive level of government involvement <clears throat> involve CSAM, involve these like extremist groups, involve horrible things, mass shootings, right? Just, just terrible, terrible things that any reasonable person <clears throat> absolutely does not want in their society, right? So when, when the argument is made like, hey, these people are collaborating on this horrible thing. We need to get involved to stop it. Nobody's going to push back, right? But then on the other side of the coin, it's like, oh, like we put all these controls in place and now we have an authoritative regime in power and there's some uh, resistance to that, that stream, uh, to that um, regime and they're collaborating together in order to protest in order to demonstrate abuse of power. And then that authoritative regime in power weaponizes the same capability, excuse me, the same capability to muffle, mute, stifle, suppress, a ghost, right? Disappear. Those resistance, that's, that's where democracy dies. And that's where the problem is, right? So you've got this like really jacked up balance. And it's a very, I mean, guys, it's a philosophical thing. Like this is not an easy you know, um, Boolean thing. And this is why like comic books in the fifties, like the, you know, the original detective comic Superman, it was like very clear Superman, super good, bad guy, super evil. Like there's no, there's no work for you as a reader or as a consumer to think through. Like, it's very clear. This guy's horrible. This guy's good, simple. But in reality, it's much more malign than that. Um, Malign's not the right word. It's much more complicated than that. So anyways, Brazil lifts a suspension uh, on Telegram, who basically did not comply with a court order. It sounds like in this instance, Telegram didn't even have the chance to comply with the court order. Um, so anyways, this is, you know, like, again, I'm not digging too deep into this particular story, but this is a micro example of a larger societal issue. Um, just as a quick aside, uh, and I'd love this in chat or, or wherever. How is Telegram making money? Like Telegram is all over the place, right? Telegram is huge. I have Telegram. Everybody has Telegram. Where's my Oprah? You get a Telegram. You get a Telegram. You get a Telegram. But like, what's their business model? Like, are they just being subsidized by someone? I, I don't know. Or are they selling the data of all the people using it? That's probably it. Of AI posing as news sites. The news rating group NewsGuard found 49 websites claiming to offer breaking news, but instead using content from generative AI chatbots. Most appear to be content mills designed to produce low-quality content en masse to get clicks for advertising. These range from generic-sounding sites offering breaking news to those offering things like lifestyle tips or celebrity news. These often contained flat-out falsehoods, ranging from claiming the death of President Biden to making up obituary details. Over half monetize using programmatic ads, many using Google's ad tech. In Google's terms, it prohibits ads that appear on low-value content. And now a word from our... <clears throat> okay, so... I mean, in the most bizarre response to this story possible, 
Um, I don't see these stories beforehand, but I do like I do click on the links and open the tabs so I can get it ready for the show. And I saw this. I was actually afraid that this was like a, 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 a an evolution of misinformation campaigns and stuff. But instead, <laughs> Kimberly, cash, instead, this is straight cash, homie. Thanks, Joel Belton. So <clears throat> um, basically, websites are just cranking out crap data and doing it so they can get <clears throat> ad revenue ad revenue, which isn't surprising me. Dude, my dudes, you cannot go onto YouTube right now and not see immediately like a thousand videos in your feeds. How to use AI to make a hundred dollars a day. How to use AI to quit your job. How to use AI to make a thousand dollars a month. Like it's, it's dumb. I mean, I, I don't want to say it's dumb because some people are doing it. Obviously like this is happening, but you know, with APIs, with, with programmatic scripting, with all of the different uh, tools, you can build a pipeline um, to take content and have it generated and have it published and, and basically automate um, these kind of websites. Now, thankfully, Google is um, suppressing th this content as poor quality, so they're not getting a lot of views and, and such like that. But um, it, it is, it, it, I don't want to say it's alarming because it seems obvious that this could be done. But it, just take it a tick further where instead of for cash, you're weaponizing it for misinformation and then using, um, I mean, we saw this in the 2016 election, y'all. Like, oh, like, hey, you know, whatever. President Biden ate, like ate a baby. And then here's like a link to four different news websites reporting on the story, right? To, to give it credence, to give it value. And a lot of people, especially in today's age, like they'll click on one, they'll be like, oh, okay, that's, Here's another one. Oh, it must be true. Like two sources at least, but they provided four. Oh my God, it's trending on Twitter, right? And then all it takes is like one lie and a couple people to believe it for, I don't want to call it mass hysteria, but for like real people to bite into it because they want to be the first to chat about it or it's something that's sensationalized that personally, emotionally affects them and they want to comment on it. And off, off you're running, right? This is how, I mean, this is how Russia... Uh, with Cambridge Analytica, <laughs> like really manipulated and, and impacted on the 2016 election. I've said it before. Watch The Great Hack on Netflix. Okay, watch The Great Hack on Netflix. It's 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 stunning. Uh, so, anyways, this isn't surprising. I I myself have actually tried. Like, just as a a quick aside, I've tried to do something like this. Now, I did not try to f create a fake news website to get clicks for dollars. What I tried to do is take um like i actually tried to write an ai chatbot that would like give me one interesting historical cybersecurity fact and then bundle it up uh like you know today in cybersecurity history bundle it up and then post it to linkedin um and i had you know a little bit of workflow there were some issues with it i abandoned the project eventually but like there is some cool what i would argue is cool uh use cases here but um you know obviously threat actors are going to weaponize the crap out of it believe this AI is going to be weaponized by threat actors a lot faster than it's going to be used by, um, you know, good people. All right. Oh, by the way, Shall we play a game? I meant to get Joshua in here. Sorry, Joshua, my my uh, digital overlord. All right, let's do mid-roll. Sponsor, Trend Micro. Cybersecurity is not just about protection. It's about foresight, agility, and resilience. Navigating a new era of cyber risk demands evolved strategies, new frameworks, and integrated tools to equip security teams to anticipate and defend against even the most advanced attacks. 
Trend Micro, the global leader in cybersecurity, is bringing the cyber risk conversation to more than 120 cities around the world in their latest Risk to Resilience World Tour, the largest cybersecurity roadshow of its kind. Find the closest city to you and register today to take a leap towards a more resilient future. Head to trendmicro.com slash CISO series. All right. If you're, if you're new here, I saw Brian going over on LinkedIn saying he was new here. Welcome, Brian. Feel free to come over to the YouTube channel. We're doing a lot of fun stuff over here. But for those of you who are new, we do this every single day, 357 times in a row. All right. Hey, 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 hey. Just want to take a hot minute since we've had a break in the action to thank you for being here. Thank you all 226 of you this morning for spending your uh, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern time with me. Left Coast people, thanks for getting up early. I know it can be difficult. Have a slug of coffee. Thank you to the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber, Panopsi, and XM Cyber. I mentioned them a little while ago. While I'm talking about them, take a hot minute and go over and hit the like button. Hitting the like button doesn't you know, give me a virtual back rub. It do, I don't, I don't care one way or the other. Hitting the like button actually tells the YouTube algorithm that people who normally watch cybersecurity content like you like this stream, which means YouTube's going to tell other people who are not here right now that like cybersecurity content about this stream. And that's how we grow the Simply Cyber community. So do your part. Hit the like button, please. XM Cyber Show Sponsor. Listen, organizations are overwhelmed with thousands of exposures across their cloud and on-prem environments, and it's on a monthly basis. There's efficient, there's like efficiently reducing risk is an impossible task. It, it's actually, it makes you apoplectic because you're just like, oh my God, like, oh, I can't do this. And then you become apathetic. Discover the most critical threats and practical tips on how to overcome remediation fatigue with a new approach to efficiently reducing risk with XM Cyber's 2023 State of Exposure Management Report. Links in the description below. Click on the link in the description below for the XM Cyber Report because it will be mapped to Simply Cyber so they'll know that you came from here, which is really good since they're a stream sponsor. I want them to know. <laughs> but uh, it's a good report. I've been reading it. A lot of great stats, a lot of great information. The data is based on telemetry that XM Cyber has collected from their uh, deployments in the environment. So it's based on legit stuff. Go ahead and check it out. Thank you so much, XM Cyber. Thanks for the virtual hug, Joel Belton, my man. All right, guys, really quickly, if you want the newsletter, simplycyber.io slash newsletter. I'm not going to say any more about it. If you know, you know, and if you don't, you might want to check it out. Is in like lots of value in there. The Simply Cyber Community Challenge. My man, Matt Louderback, dropping mad info. The Simply Cyber Community Challenge is an opportunity to build your professional network. Hashtag Passive Observer is an easy way. This is the next step. This is putting it in nitro mode. Whoever gets tagged by the current baton holder of the Simply Cyber Community Challenge, we ask that they go on LinkedIn and post their cyber story. Use the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. I see Ricardo Benavides has taken the baton. Yes. All right, Ricardo uh Ricardo Benavides, go on LinkedIn, share your cyber story, use the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge, tag me in the chat. I will share it also with my network. And really the, the key takeaway here is whoever, uh, like Ricardo, if you're not connected with Ricardo, go look at the post and then connect with him. If you're not connected with people in the comments, connect with them. If you didn't comment, comment. So people coming by looking to see if they're connected to people in the comments will connect with you. You will build your professional network 
on LinkedIn way faster, and it will be a rich, meaningful network of like-minded cybersecurity professionals, not a bunch of like bot accounts or randos or salespeople. Not, nothing wrong with salespeople, but I'm just saying, you'll have a rich, meaningful LinkedIn network. And if you ever drop Simply Cyber or, you know, I, like whatever, if, if Simply Cyber goes away, which I know a lot of people hate it when I say that, but if, if it ever goes away, you'll, you'll take that with you. It will be your network. So please do yourself a solid and do the Simply Cyber Community Challenge, my friends. Every Tuesday, I try to do a little tidbits Tuesday, a little behind the scenes, a little about me. This one's no big deal. Um, I started watching uh, a new show on uh, TV called The Citadel. It's on Amazon Prime. Uh, that's a kind of a fun thing. I watched two episodes. It's, it's you know, mildly entertaining. It's kind of an action spy thriller thing. The only thing I'll tell you, and this is the Tidbits Tuesday, I am so spoiled. I loathe the fact that they don't do full season drops anymore. The Citadel is the show I'm watching, and they release a video a week, just like Game of Thrones did. Like, I, I just, like, I got so spoiled by binge-watching shows when they would drop the entire season that now when I see that it's like week to week and I don't realize it until I go to watch the next one because I'm binging and it's not there. And I'm just like, Aah! like, I just like, Aah! I just want to like rip the TV off the wall and be like, give me my content. It's my content and I want it now. I know I'm completely spoiled, but I'm just saying binge watching is much more my speed than week in, week out. Like, cause, cause the thing is I forget what, what happened last week or I take a few weeks off and then it's like, Oh my God, like I'm not even interested in the show anymore because I don't even remember any of these things. Like, let me immerse myself in a show, please. I want to watch a 12 hour movie. Essentially holler at me. Mason can never know. That's right. Slade knows what's up. So we'll see. Anyways, stay tuned. Maybe we'll have a Citadel watch party. <laughs> Maybe we'll have a Citadel watch uh, channel on the simply cyber. All right, let's get back into the news. Y'all security incidents, extremely common. A new study from Data Theorem and Tech Targets Enterprise Strategy Group found that 92% of surveyed organizations experienced at least one security incident related to their APIs in the last year. Most organizations, 57%, experienced multiple incidents. The study found the fast-moving nature of APIs likely played a role in this, with 75% of organizations updating APIs at least weekly, if not daily. Not only does this expose the updated APIs as a potential attack surface with new zero-day attacks, but it also risks creating zombie APIs that can be exploited over time. All right. Couple things here. One, this should not be a surprise to anyone. APIs or application programming interfaces are hooks that developers write so other software can connect with them. If you've ever gone to a website like like ChatGPT, right? Who hasn't gone to ChatGPT and you type in something like, you know, whatever, redo my resume or write a blog post or whatever, right? If you've ever done that, you're doing it through the front end. An API is basically allowing you to send data directly to the application, not through a GUI front end or a web browser. That's what APIs are, okay? In fact, if you really want to get into the details, when you're typing it into a web browser, the web browser or the web server itself is actually taking it and submitting it via the same APIs to the backend application. Okay, okay, okay. That's API security. Now, why is there so many incidents? 
guys, you don't see the APIs, right? A lot, you know, like, like the, you're supposed to have a catalog of them, but developers are going to do developer things. And they're like, oh man, like, you know, I'm listening to Red Siege Lo-Fi and I'm absolutely just jamming over here. And I'm like, I'm like, hold on, can I do this? I'm like the guitar, uh, the um, the keyboardist from Sticks, and I'm, uh, can we do this? So I'm on stream. Like I'm playing like two different two different keyboards, one up here and one down here, and I'm just jamming. And I got the headphone cans on, and don't tell me what to do. I'm a developer, right? And what ends up happening is, yeah, they're developing the crap out of some APIs, but they're not doing cleanup. They're not decommissioning. You know, there's deprecated versions. There's you know dev servers that like. Oh, we're moving at the speed of business. We're we're a tech startup. We got to move fast and break things. Yeah, go ahead, move fast, break things. But you're also leaving like this disgusting breadcrumb trail of exposure and attack surface. And like, cool, cool that you wrote this sick API. But like the other thirty instances before you got to the sick API, those are all still there, and those are all you know easy to compromise, right? So it doesn't surprise me. Ninety-two percent of orgs experienced an API security incident last year. There's no, there's no freaking sorry, sorry Kennedy. There's no like really good accountability. And if you're like an auditor or something like that, you can't be like, show me your APIs because they're gonna be like, well, it doesn't really work like that. You can't. You cannot walk into a server closet, open the door, and look at the APIs. It doesn't work that way. But but. There are all sorts of tools that threat actors and security researchers can use to locate APIs, see what the APIs are, query and, and, and probe APIs, right? Sometimes it's a really good API, but you like didn't um, eliminate some of the uh, functionality and the ability, right? We see this all the time where you're able to pull more information than you're supposed to because there isn't any type of input validation on the parameters being sent over the API. Okay, so that's the deal with API security. I, I want to give a shout out. I have an affiliate link, but I don't know where the heck it is, so it doesn't matter. Um, this this course just dropped on TCM. Um, I plan on taking this uh, as soon as I get time. Um, but API hacking, it's very cool. Um, I mean, I was just doing API um, stuff just yesterday uh, with ChatGPT. You can't even... Uh, uh, I can't really... Uh, I can't show you, unfortunately, but uh, believe me, I've got a Kali instance uh, GUI up right now. I'd have to maybe a, a Jawjack, and I'll show you. But um, I was doing it because of this pen test GPT uh, repo, and I was messing with that, right? So I, I love APIs. They're a lot of fun. It, they're, they're, they, it allows you to write programmatic uh, pipelines, like we talked about earlier with the fake news website. Okay, these fake news websites. All parts of API because they're automating the process of querying GPT and querying something like Pictory.ai and then posting to YouTube via APIs. It's all APIs, guys, right? If anything's programmatically developed, it's 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 most likely APIs, but it's a huge attack surface. So the TLDR here is if you have anybody, anybody in your organization writing API calls or you have your tech company that's writing software, especially, you're definitely in the scope. Make sure you educate your end, your developers on API uh, best practices and explain, yeah, hey, I know it's wicked. It sucks, right? You empathize with them. Hey, I know it sucks that taking time to document your APIs. And I know you're going to document this API and then you're actually going to deprecate it. So it seems like a waste of time to document it. But believe me, guys, 92% of orgs are having security incidents because of API uh, bad practices. So let's not be like that, okay? 
Iran using bold spy malware for surveillance. Researchers at Lookout Threat Lab reported a new piece of spyware in use by the Law Enforcement Command of the Islamic Republic of Iran. Dubbed Bold Spy, this spyware seems mostly used for internal surveillance with exfiltrated data on a C2 server showing it being used against Iranian Kurds and other minority groups. Analysis showed Bold Spy also contains ransomware capabilities, but researchers didn't find any evidence of it actually being used. This could represent an in-development feature. A lack of operational security within its servers, combined with relatively few samples in the wild, indicates Bold Spy is a relatively new offering. Malicious. All right, this isn't a surprise here. So, um, basically, Iran is spying on their own citizens. Uh, based on what I just saw in the story, they 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 round you up and arrest you. Now, it sounds like, and I am by no means an expert on Iranian culture. I know that they're they were. I don't know if they're still dealing with it, but there was like a big, um, like multi-month, um, situation going on with women in iran and and i think it had to do with um the 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 covering that they wear i don't know if those are called burqas or not but like the covering and not doing that and some people were were murdered and, and stuff like that so I, I i'm i'm in no way uh, an expert on iran i'm just basing this on the story basically iranian authorities are rounding up people uh they said kurds in the story so I, maybe that and uh, while they have them in detention, they take their device and they install malware on it. They have physical access to the device. They probably force them to unlock it. Um, and they install malware, which basically allows them to track them and do espionage type things. Now, they did say that it, they're adding ransomware capabilities, but that hasn't been seen in the wild. My only thought here is like the only reason to have ransomware capabilities on mobile devices of people that you see as dissidents or um you know people you're tracking or whatever you want to say to me it's not really to ransomware them it's basically to brick their device that that's the only thing i can uh perceive as a real like if you just do the threat modeling on it it doesn't make any sense to install a tracking beacon espionage device and then and then ransomware because like th like they're not going to pay the ransom right like it doesn't make any sense that it's so it's an individual with phone right so uh, my suspicion is it's more of a bricking capability, right? If if they discover that, you know, whatever, that like they're trying to organize or do something, they could just brick it. That's that's all I could think of. Uh, definitely not good, right? Like this is a this is what I'm talking about when authoritative regimes abuse their power uh, and and weaponize capabilities that were probably designed um, not for this intent, but now they're being used for that intent, right? So it sucks. Windows update guides targeting Ukraine. The Computer Emergency Response Team of Ukraine issued a warning that the Russian-backed APT-28 began targeting various government bodies with malicious emails. These messages pose as system admins and offer instructions on updating Windows against further attacks. Instead, these point to a PowerShell command to deliver a secondary InfoStealer payload. The attackers use real employee names with an at Outlook.com email address to attempt to fool users. A recent Google Threat Analysis Group report estimates about 60% of all phishing messages targeting Ukraine in Q1 came from Russian actors. Western digital. Okay, no surprise, right? Ukraine is being like Russia is attacking Ukraine right now, so it's no surprise that there has been a massive uptick in targeting Ukrainian citizens, especially government entities or gov citizens working in government entities in Ukraine. Um, 
and I assume they didn't, I don't think they say what type of um, malware this is, but I would have to assume it's some type of espionage malware um, so they can, you know, see, yeah, data exfiltration. So they're pulling data, um, you know, figuring out what's going on, identifying who's talking who, maybe to see where money's moving. Uh, ultimately, if once you're in with a, a compromise, even if you're exfiltrating data, you can absolutely um, cause damage, do a wiper virus, um, ransomware if you want to do that. So it's no surprise they're being targeted that way. Uh, basically, it's a fake Windows pop-up. The one thing I'll say about this is this is another regular thing that I regularly advise my end user community on is the Windows pop-up, right? It's very like if just Google Windows pop-up virus and you'll see like a million different options. Typically, it's associated with the um, Indian call center scam game where it's like, oh, Microsoft's detected a virus, call this number to get it removed. You call the number, uh, a scammer picks up the phone, they tell you that your computer's screwed and that they need to remote in uh, to fix it. And then they, they start uh, executing some type of um, financial crime on you. Um, with this one, it's same same attack, same game, uh, except you know it, the the uh, objective is to get malware on your computer for espionage, not to financially harm you. You can see that the Russians have gone as far as to include screenshots. So Carl, literally your lowest common denominator can figure out what's going on. Like here's open your Windows um, screen, type in this command hit enter like the fact that they even have like dude normally when you run powershell you're doing it in an obfuscated way you're hiding it you're not wanting people to see it etc um and here they're actually telling you to run powershell uh like they give you the whole powershell command now what's really interesting here i'm looking at the command and i know you can't read it on stream but it, the powershell command the url is https www.catalog.update.microsoft.com which does look like a legit url i'm trying to figure out where the um i'm confused uh then unless unless this powershell command actually does run an update of some sort but then they're also um, doing other nefarious things like just based on like this quick look here. It, it's weird too, because the URL actually has HTTPS, but when they actually develop it later on. Huh? Uh, yeah. I'm going to have to look at this a little later. Like I'm confused. Like to me, this command does not download malware. Usually there's like some C2 instance or it's just an IP address where you're pulling from. Uh, this doesn't look like that. Here, I'll drop this link in chat. It's 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 interesting. I'd be curious. Catalog.update.microsoft. You think Microsoft subdomain is is compromised? No. Hmm. I mean that that looks kind of Microsofty, but it also looks cheap. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, Microsoft's, I mean, Microsoft even has an article saying, yes, it's legit. Um, of course, this is some independent person speaking, so who the who knows if that's trustworthy? Question all the things. 
All right. Anyways, to me, I'm a little confused, honestly, why I'm confused why this is this, but um, yeah, Peter Lee, don't sweat it. I, I, I'm covered here. All right, let's keep going. Anyways, long story short, social engineering attack, Windows pop up, etc. Attackers leak further data. The Alf V ransomware organization behind the recent attack on Western Digital revealed more leaked data. It now published screenshots of internal emails and video conferences indicating it maintained access to Western Digital's network even after the company started responding to the breach. The attackers previously published files signed with the company's code signing keys. The newly leaked data shows Western Digital preparing a media statement about the attack. Last month, Western Digital took down most of its cloud services for two weeks to respond to the attack. Alpha V now claims to have a complete backup of Western Digital's SAP back office implementation. Ooh. A recent... All right, so Western Digital happens to be a storage company, right? I mean, they have a couple things, but they, they're a storage company. So when they get hacked and data exfilled, you might think immediately it's like, oh, it's my data. It's it's the data that I had on my 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 Western Digital, my cloud, NAS. And in reality, Western Digital, the company, was hacked, and their entire SAP instance um, was was uh, downloaded essentially, from what I can tell by the story. Now that's massive. SAP, if you're a large enough company, you need enterprise resource planning software. It, it handles logistics. It handles like HR. It handles a million things. Okay. And big companies need it because once you, you know, if you have like 30,000 employees, you like, believe me, Carl and account, uh, Carl and HR isn't fielding all the questions. You need automation. You need these things. Um, Western digital has 65,000 employees. They made $26 billion last year. Believe me. They have a ERP solution. Now, the threat actors, Black Cat, Alf V, these are the ones who uh, were involved originally with the Colonial uh, Pipeline hack. They've since rebranded. They are a top tier uh, ransomware threat actor. Now, I don't know. They Western Digital spent a couple of weeks recovering. It sounds like they actually had um, a good cybersecurity program in place that allowed them the resiliency to recover from a ransomware attack. Obviously, if the um, threat actors, this is like what you should immediately think of. If the threat actors are taunting Western Digital with uh, leaks of their SAP back in, Western Digital did not pay the ransom, right? That, that's, I would have to assume because threat actors typically want to have good relationships. As scummy as it is to commit crime, um, they typically do have a little bit of integrity because they want to, um, they, you know, the next person they attack, um, when that when that victim Googles the the ransomware threat actor name, they want stories to come back that say like, oh, you know, Western Digital hacked and then came back online, no data ex no data leaked or anything like that, right? You want a good, you want a good rep, you want five stars on the on the Uber app, right? You want a good Yelp review if you're a ransomware threat actor. So I would have to assume that Western Digital told them to pound sand and like didn't pay the ransom. Uh, now, what does this mean for Western Digital? Um, I mean, there could be, yeah, you could see here, Western Digital is not negotiating a ransom to prevent the leak. Um, what does this mean for Western Digital? Unfortunately, it could mean salaries get out. It could mean some 
you know, whatever, 2024 strategic planning stuff get out. Some embarrassing emails, right? Like uh, think about uh, like not to get political, but like the Tucker Carlson emails about, um, you know, the Trump um, January 6th thing. Again, I don't want to get political. I'm just pointing it out. That was an internal email. It big, made big news. So you probably know what I'm talking about. Like those type of communications between two people uh, that are, you have expectation of privacy, they get out because there's uh, a record of it. So we'll see what happens. Western Digital is obviously a massive billion dollar company that's probably um, just like whatever threat actors, we're going to keep doing what we do. Yeah, office love triangle emails. That's right. Uh, HR uh, reprimands, right? Uh, reasons for firing, upcoming layoffs, right? There's there's a bunch of like sensational, emotionally jarring things that could come out. But for the most part, Western Digital, I mean, they're kind of like, they're a, you know, a boring IT company, right? So, all right. Study from Access Cyber claims that many cybersecurity professionals lie on their resumes. This ranges from listing degrees they don't have to inventing entire jobs. Even okay, I, I guess that's the end of the news stories for today. Uh, TLDR, don't lie on your resume, right? You can certainly come up with creative ways to explain things, but don't straight up lie. Um, if you were here just for the news, thank you for being here. Six minutes over, so apologies to NCC Group and Base Case. Congratulations on the move, Base. If you're watching this, I hope everything's going well uh, with the transition. Guys, before you leave, though, I just want to let you know, I posted this on socials yesterday. On May 25th, so later this month, at 2 p.m. Eastern time, I will be a guest on ACI Learning's Hubs. Uh, it'll be a live stream. Uh, I will be joined by Sophia Goodwin. Uh, if, you, if you are familiar with um, IT Pro uh, content, Daniel Lowry and Sophia Goodwin make lots of great content. She and I will be doing a uh, discussion uh, the front lines of the future. There's more information right here if you're interested. Um, I'm going to be talking about like kind of macro level, our industry, what's going on, why there's been an increase in job postings, why businesses are highly motivated to do job, uh, to list jobs and hire people. Why, you know, wh what does it mean for you, right? I'm always going to like simply cyber community. I'm always going to relate it back to you. But if you're interested, come join. I'd love to have you guys there. Uh, in chat joining us. I'll, I'll just basically be going bananas for 45 minutes to to an hour. Um, yeah, actually, it'll be it'll be like a, a really formal jaw jacking session. I might even wear a button down shirt with a collar. Don't tell anyone that I typically wear cybersecurity shirts. Shout out to Black Hills InfoSec. No one asked me, but. All right, that's going to do it. Um, Good job, uh, Ricardo uh, Benavides, for picking up the baton. Matt Lauderback, thanks so much for um, that great post. I enjoyed reading it. And uh, thanks again to Barricade Cyber Solutions for the 50 squad subs. Awesome. I'll spend a few minutes jaw jacking, which if you're new here, we do the news. And then I don't end the stream. I spend a few minutes hanging out, answering questions, just networking in general. It's a good time. Oh, cool. Leonardo. Yeah, please, please. Leonardo, if you can send me a, like a, just a, a brief description right now in uh, Discord or, or share it in chat, I'd love to know. I'll go back and look at that. I want to know. Um, my pleasure, Gus Brown. Yep. Dan Reardon uh, met John Strand. John Strand, uh, definitely an inspirational figure. If you don't know Black Hills, um, 
Black Hills Information Security. I'm wearing their shirt right now or one of their shirts. Um, great, great business. Wonderful people led by John Strand, who basically you want to talk about how tone at the top defines a business. John Strand is ex exemplary, exemplary of, of, of defining this. I love me some Black Hills InfoSec. World Wild West Hacking Fest is their con. Go check it out. Good stuff. Also, um, really quickly, if you don't know, uh, John Strand does a pay what you can course. Um, oh my gosh, guy. Oh, Gus Brown. Hey, Gus. No, I'm sorry. I, I don't remember Gus, but yeah, we. I was at Honeywell uh, a, a while ago. I'm, uh, great to see you, man. I hope things are well. I hope things are well. Um, so, Anti-Siphon, I'll drop a link in chat. Uh, John Strand does three different courses, and he basically does one a month, and he rotates quarterly. Um, John Strand is exceptional, okay? Wonderful guy. He does the uh, SOC core skills. Getting started with InfoSec and Active Defense Cyber Deception, which I have taken that one myself. Next class is May 8th, according to Andy Nakamura. Very cool, Andy. Go check it out, guys. Have a good one, local Ken. Uh, I hope to make I hope you make it too, Dan Reardon. I'll be there. Alright. Yeah, always here for the jaw jacking. Nice. Yeah. Pursuit of bliss. Uh, like John Strand's obviously wonderful, but, uh, Deb, Deb Wigley, Deb, the Deb, uh, Jason Blanchard, um, Ian, like it's just like Bo, Bo Bullock, Daff Hack, like just the whole, the whole Black Hills is so cool. I'll tell you what I'm actually, so this is a real jaw jacking thing. I, um, once I, <laughs> once I, you know, I guess if I'm ever able to quit my job and just do simply cyber stuff full time, I will uh, be doing uh, pay what you can live cohort courses very much in the vein of John Strand. Like I've already mapped out a vulnerability management analyst four day class. Um, and I want to I want to model it after the way John Strand does it um, with his uh, live cohort based classes. Very, very inspiring. Marcus says, what, what, what to do if the employer wants me to take a cert? I mean, what's the, I mean, uh, yeah, just, I mean, just ace the cert <laughs> or maybe use it as an opportunity. Just use it as an opportunity to Marcus to be like, oh, that's great. Like, Hey, like say you're like, um, an infosec professional with 10 years. Right. And they're like, we want you to get sec plus be like, awesome. I'll go get sec plus, And then I'd love to get sys P after that or CISA or system or whatever. Like, Put in a cert that you want after that and then use it as, I mean, not negotiating, but like, like get them hyped around your training plan and then get them to pay for that too. That's what I would try to do. Uh, Larry, oh, the vulnerability management class is not coming out soon. So I'm working on an exposure management class that will be out soon. And then after that, I'm doing cybersecurity 101, which I'm working with a college. It's going to be a full college course. Um, that one's already, um, like the, the, the course content is already developed. I just need to record it, but I'm waiting to record cyber one one until I get the, um, the college credits, transferable college credits piece sorted out. Um, 
and then the vulnerability management analyst class. Plus, I want to do that um, live for myself, and that would require me to make some changes to my career, which, like, I, between me, you, and the other 204 people here, um, I think the Cyber 101 course might be what can um, help me, you know, I guess fund the transition. Taekwon Gong, I do not know any courses on how to communicate with management. Currently studying to get my cyber analyst certificate. Excellent, Saisha. Very cool. Scott Powell, what did Scott Powell do? I bought the retake for the CISA Plus, but didn't need it since I passed. Oh, very cool. Okay, Scott Powell, congratulations. Love it, love it, love it. All right, I got just a few more minutes here. Let me actually check my schedule, make sure I don't have a 9 a.m. Notorious for doing that. How's everybody liking the 8 a.m. every single day? Yep, I'm good. 8 a.m. every single day. Taekwong Gong. How about Toastmasters? There you go. That's a good point. Alex Goodwin. Toastmasters will help you learn public speaking, feel more confident speaking, drill down into only speaking what is you know valuable. Uh, Simply CyberCon. Simply CyberCon is going well. Uh, the planning is still happening. Um, it's November 8th. We are. We just had a, a, a transparency and update meeting. Um last Friday. So you can go check that stream out if you want more information. There is a publicly available Google Doc that documents all these things. And for those who are regular attendees of the Simply CyberCon update and transparency meetings, I uh, I went through and actually adjusted the Simply Ki So I, I, I have Scrum Master training, but I've re reorganized the Simply CyberCon doc. So when we do a meeting, our next meeting, it's going to be more streamlined and more to the point. We just had to figure out what, what the groups were that we were going to be doing and how we were going to get updates. And now that we have it, I can I can run a faster meeting. All right, Gary Sergiatis. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm happy. Let me see. All right, guys. I'm going to boogie out of here. We've got a little bit of work to do. Hit the like button on your way out. Share Simply Cyber's daily cyber threat briefing with folks in your network. Leonardo, let holler at me about that PowerShell script. I'd love to know. Um, live stream chat. Someone in here tagging me. Oh, one second. Uh, oh, hold on. I got a screenshot here. Hold on. Let me look at the screenshot. We can all look at it together. Okay, hold on. So I'm looking at the screenshot. We're going to do a little analysis right here. And thank you, Leonardo, for this. So the original um, script right here is in the background. And then he has what looks to be um, like an edge browser with the developer. Oh, no, no. This is a uh, like an editor or something. And it's showing the content of PowerShell script. Okay. So end up running the script downloaded from Mocky.io. Okay, so this does make sense. So the catalog update Microsoft.com is legit, but it's useless. It doesn't get pulled. And the real link with the second stage payload does get pulled for run.maki.io. Okay, so this does make a lot more sense. Thank you, Leonardo. Uh, again, I wasn't like going to click on it, uh, but it is an interesting development in trying to make a end user fall for a uh, a social engineering attack by making it a little bit more credible, um, basically a little bit of obfuscation. Love it, love it, love it. Very cool. All right. The more you know. 
Give me a little Snake Eyes action. Snake Eyes is so hard to see. Black, black, uh, dark emote on a black background. Oh, my pleasure, John Bruno. All right, guys. Very cool. Thank you so very much. Be good. Have a great Tuesday. Um, if you haven't, go check out the um, the sign up for the talk I'm giving on May 25th. And have a great, great day. Until next time, everybody. Keep grinding and stay secure. <laughs>